Okay, we're continuing in, uh, in Colossians, and uh, we're actually taking a few more verses rather than just one at a time. And in this, we need to be constantly reminded that Paul's in prison in Rome. Uh, some of the commentators say, and they don't feed you when you're in prison. Either people feed you or send you money to get fed or you die. That Rome doesn't feed you and they're happy for you to die. Uh, and so in this situation, uh, he sends this letter, and it's kind of an amazing letter because it doesn't say, please, please pray that I get out of here. And he's going to be beheaded in prison. And he knows that's a possibility, but he will eventually be beheaded. And so on and on and on, when things are looking so bad, and years and years and years and years ago, and I've used this illustration before, but I've used all my illustrations before anyway, so it doesn't matter. Years and years ago, we had a thing called the Crafts Fair at Sheridan House on the old campus. When we had the Crafts Fair, uh, people would make crafts and, and we'd make crafts and we'd sell them and, and it, it'd bring a thousand people and we had about 150 lady volunteers in this crafts fair and I wanted to do something for them and I was meeting uh, with a lady named Sandy Castillo who's kind of been a mentor for me and she said, Sandy said, um, why don't you bring in a speaker and uh, get, get these 150 ladies together and just bless them with a great speaker and so at that time, I had a friend over at Pier 66, and I went over and said, uh, could we have like a third of a bay uh, on, a, on a Friday night and Saturday to do, a, do a, an event and bring in a speaker and put a committee together? And at that time, the pastor at First Baptist Fort Lauderdale was O.S. Hawkins, and his wife was on the committee, and Susie Hawkins said, let me make a phone call. And so she called a lady in Chattanooga named Kay Arthur, who's a lady speaker, and Kay agreed to come. And so we got all set, and unfortunately, fortunately but unfortunately, 150 didn't sign up. 650 signed up when they heard it was Kay Arthur. And I'm over there completely panicked, uh, talking to Pier 66, and he said, give me a minute. And uh, he comes back and says, you can have the whole everything. And that'll do more than 650. And so we're there, and uh, I'm pretty jacked, and uh, it's supposed to start at 7 on a Friday night. And a, a storm came in about four in the afternoon and a tornado came down the intercoastal, Pier 66 is on the intercoastal, wiped out the bridge and shut all the power down in Pier 66. And uh, I'm, I'm looking at this friend, he's from Pakistan, the manager, saying, and I'm saying, what, what, what are we going to do? And he says, well, I don't know. Uh, I think we just keep going to see if it comes back on or whatever. So just before the event happens, uh, the bridge is down. It's down. They get it down. It's down permanently now. Uh, so the ladies can come. No boats can go anywhere. And the storm has stopped. And Kay Arthur arrives. And we get her from the airport. And she doesn't get into her nice silk dress. She gets into a pair of jeans because uh, the air conditioner's broke, not on. And no lights on in this big room. And we, have, we gather a bunch of flashlights. She steps onto the podium. I'm on the back wall uh, with some of the ladies on the committee and the manager. And the power comes on in the big room. And he walks out into the hallway, and he comes back in, and he says, this is not possible, this is not possible, there's no power anyplace else but in the big ballroom. <laughs> and I'm looking at him, and I said, how, he's like, hey, this is not possible. And Susie Hawkins makes the statement, no one will ever forget this event. And she was right. We just wanted to do it once. And we ended up doing it for 12 years. And Susie made another phone call, and the next year it was Beth Moore, and the next year it was Beth Moore, and the year after that it was Ann Graham Lotz, and it just, it, it actually got too big. We were spending too much time on that, not enough on 
children and families. And I shut it down uh, after 12 years. But for that time period, this manager and those ladies never forgot that. What looked like a nightmare. Now the problem with that is the problem is, is that the difficulty was solved in four hours. Generally that doesn't happen. And he lets you be in it for three, four, five, six months, or in the case of the zoning for this property, a year. Um, and me even wondering, okay, we ever going to get to build on this property, can't get any zoning. And they're battling, battling, and battling, and the, these neighbors were misinformed as to what we were going to do, and they were told we were going to be a lockdown penal institution for convicted felons, and we would go to the Davie Town Council for our meetings, and they went horrible, and uh, the police had to escort me out of one of the meetings, people were so hostile. And so, all said and done, we got our zoning, a miracle took place. Um, because they moved the meeting from a Tuesday night to a Wednesday night to try to X out Christians, assuming they'd all be in church, and three churches emptied out and showed up. And can I say the room only holds 100, 120, and there were six or 700 there. And when I walked up that night uh, with a couple of friends to the one more meeting, and I see there's no parking anywhere, and people have their grills open and they're feeding everybody and I didn't I didn't know who they were I thought this this many people showed up to vote us down uh, and then I hear somebody say Pastor Bob and that name kind of trademarked in this town so I'm looking around to see if Coy's there and he wasn't there and I realized they're talking to me and I realized these are these are Christians from the churches we got the vote and again mm, Manny Garcia of the Miami Herald made the statement this was really good for you, you know, not the vote. All this because everybody heard about what you were doing. Everybody knew. Everybody's going to help you. All I saw was, where are you? Are you in, on vacation in Bermuda or what? Where are you? Can you do something here? Oh, Bob. I know. Paul is going to talk to them about this. The, the, the church in Colossae is exploding for the good. But when something good is happening in your life, especially as a Christian, especially as a church, especially as a pastor, the evil one's not going to be docile about it. It says he's going to prowl like a roaring lion. When things are going well, be ready for the attack uh, in my world, the attack of discouragement. Or wherever he knows, he knows where to go after you. The attack of whatever. Where, where all of a sudden, wow, Lord, yeah, he's going to talk to him and he's going to say, I'm praying for you. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power. And this word, why, I put in there. Why, why, why do we need to be strengthened with all his glorious power? So you will have all the endurance and patience you need. All the endurance and patience you need. The NIV translation, this is the NLT. The NIV translation also says, have great endurance and patience. The ESV uh, endurance and patience with joy. Not just endurance. <sighs> Not just with joy. The, the joy is, I don't have to know how this works. It just works. You work. I don't, I don't really have to know how this works. It works. I don't know how it finds me. How, how does it, how does the, I don't have an end, how, do you, how does this find me? And I gotta say, Probably one of the coolest things during creation is when, when Jesus, creator of everything, um, 
says to the angels, there's going to be a time in 6,000 6, years when they're going to talk into a thing called a phone with no wires and find them everywhere. Oh, there's going to be a time when churches are going to have to close because of a virus, but they're still going to be able to see their pastor on a screen. And the angels have to be looked at, huh? Oh yeah, everything we have. I don't know how this works. I don't know how the magnitude of you, but you want me to be so confident with joy that you will be strengthened with his power or his glorious power. Strengthened, that you'll be strengthened, that you'll be strengthened. My security, my desire for security inside my heart uh, wants me to believe I can position myself to overcome any obstacle or problem or difficulty. I can position myself financially for the future. Yeah, I've got this right here. I can position myself emotionally. I can position whatever. Whatever. And bottom line, you can't. He can. You can't become your own God. Yeah, my ego wants me to feel personally powerful. Prayer helps remind me that I have no real lasting power that I have no real lasting power. And there's this little verse every now and then that creeps into becoming my life verse. It's I can do all things through me who gives me the strength I need. And so I, every now and then I need a, something. You know, it was driving my, my Chevy Tahoe at 9 o'clock at night out of Okeechobee, the town or whatever it is. I'd never been in Okeechobee. I'm from New York City. I don't go in those little weird towns. And I'm driving out, and it's late at night, and my Chevy Tahoe had 200, remember, 224,000 miles on it. But I loved that car. I felt, like, I felt like a man, you know, like a good old boy in that big truck car. I'm driving out, 9 o'clock at night, and I'm going through Clua, something or other, Clewiston, and I'm going through all these towns, yeah, to get back, back to I-27. I'm thinking, and there's people walking along the road between 9 and 10 at night, back to their whatevers, and all of a sudden, Surrey won't talk to me anymore. Uh, I've lost all, oh my goodness, I have no connection at all for a period of time. There's no street lights, and I'm hearing a ticking in my engine. And it, it hit me how, how fragile, no talking aloud, how fragile, how fragile my security can become sometimes. It's like, Bob, do I have you or not, son? I did get home, I did get home. But yeah, my ego wants me to feel personally powerful. Prayer helps remind me that I have no real lasting power without being rescued by Jesus. It starts with a rescue. He rescued me. And I, I love the city rev that you don't use anymore, but you used to use rescued to rescue. Rescued to rescue. I'm rescued to rescue. Yeah. Without a growing, growing in my relationship with Jesus, that was a hard one. We were talking about that before with Joe and I, about, about the, the whole deal. I came to Christ, but I didn't grow for a long time. I, I, I came to Christ, and Rosemary gave me a Bible, and honestly, it had gold paint all, all around it on the pages, and I thought, you know, it looks nice. I'll just leave it like that. And every time you open it up, it ruined the gold paint. And so for whatever reason, I didn't know what to do with this thing. And she kept asking me, are you reading your Bible? And I said, you know what? I've got to say something, Rosemary. It's a sleeper. I'm reading it at night, lying in bed, so, that, so it's that low a priority. I had to grow my relationship with Christ. Rescued first, growing, but part of that growing, I have to start trusting. 
And trusting means, though I can't see it, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. And I don't want to change that verse at all, but lean not to your own circumstances right now. Don't lean there. Now, here it is. The overwhelming desire to want to serve Jesus. I had the coolest meeting yesterday with a lady I, I've interacted with uh, who is a single mom, came to Sheridan House for help uh, 20 years ago, or not, probably not quite 20, and uh, she's an attorney and, and been a family law practice attorney for, um, uh, oh, she just celebrated her 25th anniversary as a lawyer. And so we're talking and, and, and we, we have a need and she said, is there any way I could do 20 free pro bono sessions a month for you? And I said, you mean help single moms when they need help? And just, yeah. I thought, we have talked about that forever. I can't even believe you've shown up to say that. We've talked about that forever. That's just to advise for free. They don't have any money for a lawyer. Just to advise. Yeah. She has the overwhelming desire to want to serve to want to serve. Or letter E, constantly reminding myself that it's his power, that it's his power by giving all the glory to Jesus. We can't take the glory for when we see his hand. We gotta give it, give it, we gotta give it away. You know, how does prayer remind me that I have no lasting power? I need to be thanking him. I need to be noticing the little things that he's doing around me. I need to be thanking him. And honestly, I've come to believe I need to be writing it down. I need to, in my devotions, and I actually, Rosemary writes it, I put it on my notes section on my iPad. I need to be writing down, I saw you. I saw your hand. I saw your hand. I can't believe just when we needed such and such it happened. Or just in the interaction with this person, I saw your hand. Otherwise, I focus on the negatives out there. I need to be, I saw you in this little thing. Good, Bob, now that you're noticing, we can ratchet it up a little bit more. We can, oh, I, you're going to see my hand a little bigger, a little bit more. But not only that, by telling others, telling the stories. Share, tell others. This is where I saw it in this little, because otherwise, oh, this is what I'm dealing with, rather than this is where I saw it. I saw it, yeah. And, and there's, a, there's a reminder here, and Paul's doing it. He's, he's, he's reminding the church, but he's reminding also us that uh, the power of prayer, that I need to be praying for not just me. I, I need to be not my whole, the whole list, my prayer list. Me, me, me. Not me prayers, not me prayers. Paul doesn't even have him in here himself. No, his prayer for himself is pray that I don't miss an opportunity. That's kind of amazing. Pray that I don't miss, really? Pray that I get out. I know you got me. And then praying for our friends. And can I say, one of my meetings yesterday was with a pastor, and it's a, a Dade County pastor, one of the biggest churches in Dade, and God has just blessed him so much. Um, I really kind of wondered why he was coming to see me and he opened his little notes. Uh, I, I can't believe how discouraged he is, how exhausted he is. Pray for your pastor. Nobody knows. Nobody calls a pastor and say, hey, pastor, you got a minute? I just want to tell you how awesome my life is right now, how great things are going right now. Nobody does that. I mean, Roby's had him follow him home, and he's in a gated community, and they just go right through the gate behind him and just sit in front of his house, and, you know, 11 o'clock at night, can we talk? Yeah, pray for your pastors. We, we need to be praying. And in our prayer time, we need to be reminding ourselves, he's in charge. Yeah, Paul's saying, we, 
we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power. Why? So you will have the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. May you be filled with joy. It's Philippians 4.13. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I've come to believe, and we don't know this, I've come to believe this is more of an emotional statement. I can, I can, the, the everything, I can't part waters, he does. He used Moses to part waters, which is astounding to me, to, for Moses to stand up in front of everybody and hold the big stick up, the magic stick. What if it didn't work? Wow. I mean, I might have held it up behind my back in case it didn't work. That's why Moses is Moses. Wow. I, I, can, I, can, do, I can get through it. But Bob, don't just get through it. Get through it with peace and endurance and joy. I know you got this. I know this is going to work out great. Because one time during that time with uh, the town of Davie, we were at Rob's, when it used to be called Scrooby's, with the family, the, the children and Rosemary and I. And uh, we'd just gotten our meal. And two couples come up to us and start screaming at me. And I say to Rosemary, I'm going to get some to-go boxes. You guys go wait in the car. And she took the children out to the car. You're going to ruin our town, blah, 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 blah. And I said, what do you think we're going to do? And they bought me boxes. And, and uh, I got up and left with the food to go, came back home, explained to the kids. I don't know what that was all about. And Rosemary made the statement, I don't want to live in South Florida anymore. That's the second time that's happened. I just don't want to be here. I thought, Rosemary. This is where we're supposed to be. I mean, your Bible study's huge. Mine, one day I'll get over 10 men in the room, but your Bible study's huge. For I can do everything. And, and Philippians 4.4 4 says this, always be full of joy in the Lord. Can you help me with the word always, Lord? Always? Always? Yes. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. So there's, a, there's an interesting thing. Always be full of joy, but rejoice is an action. So do I, Philippians 4.4, 4. so I need to be rejoicing rather than whining and mumbling and ugh. Yeah, the next verse says, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Remember the Lord is coming soon. I cannot allow my circumstances to erode my endurance. Endurance. I have to keep pressing on, knowing my Father knows about this. I have to keep showing up and showing up and showing up, knowing my father knows about this. I have to keep showing up. My and that's a Beth Moore phrase. I'll never forget it. Beth Moore, when she did our spring break, it was the only one I ever sat down the whole time and took notes inside the room with all those women. Uh, the innocence of her and she, her phrase she used over and over that first weekend she was with us, my father knows about this. He knows about this and he loves me. So yeah, patience means trusting my father's timing is always perfect. I need to trust. Your timing's always perfect. I mean, how many, I don't know about you, but how many times have I said to him, and I'm an out loud prayer. I pray out loud in the car talking to him. How, how are you there? How much longer, Lord? Are you there? Oh, Bob, look around. Look around. Yeah, let her see. Joy, my joy must not be allowed to be destroyed by my circumstances. 
My joy must come from knowing that my loving, all-powerful Father knows about my circumstances. Yeah. We also pray that you will be strengthened with his glorious power. So you will have all the endurance and patience you need. And the next verse, may you be, verse 12, may you be filled with, verse 12, always with joy, always thanking the Father. So part of being filled with joy, comma, is always thanking the Father. Always thanking the Father. Always thanking the Father. Yeah. Always thanking the Father. Who has qualified you, ooh, this is interesting, qualified you to share in his inheritance, who has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. That's an interesting one. Yeah, inheritance. We get to participate in a dual inheritance. In a dual inheritance. The dual inheritance of those that live in the light, which means those that have come to Christ, the dual inheritance is the inheritance of seeing God work through you and around you while living on this planet. You know, and I think there are people or seasons of life where they say, you know, I just don't see him. I just don't see it. And then you're not looking. Did I get to eat today? You know, yesterday there were three back-to-back difficult meetings and that one little lawyer in the, uh, in the before it was awesome. Um, but I walked out and I said, and I was tired, and Benetta could tell I was tired, and Benetta made a statement, I don't want your job. I said, what does that mean? I just wouldn't want that job. I said, Benetta, you don't know anybody in the ministry that has the life I have. And this was yesterday, and I said to her, I'm getting on an airplane tomorrow with a beautiful woman and Allegiant Airlines $39 tickets and flying to Asheville to spend time alone with her. Do you know anybody else that gets to do that? If you'd have told me 20 years ago, I'd be able to do that. And I'm convinced God invented Allegiant Airlines for me. You're allowed if you want. Uh, but he invented it for those. I, to, to get on a plane and pay. No, don't feel bad for me. I, I regularly drive around and get emotional. Wow. I never would have thought this, Lord. I mean, I went for so many years with no days off. Seminars on Saturdays and pulpits on Sundays. and Wow. And then God brought Rick to run the show that runs better. It's not as much fun as when I was running it, but it does run more, more accountable. Um, and, the, and the bottom line here, but I wow. Yeah, we can focus on the difficulty and the strain and the, and, and the financial seasons that are weird and whatever, or we can see. We can see stuff. Yeah, and, and the funny thing, Joe, we were talking before, I don't even like North Carolina. It's weird to me. It, and the people are weird to me. I mean, they're friendly, uh, and they have an oblig- obligatory wave. Everybody waves in North Carolina. We wave, it just includes one finger uh, here in South Florida. <laughs> But, but it, it's, it's weird to me, and uh, those of you in Asheville that are going to be listening to this, I'm sorry. Um, but the bottom line is, uh, I, I, down here is amazing. This is, I grew up in New York City. This is New York with nice weather. And it occurred to me when I was at First Baptist Fort Lauderdale and hundreds of snowbirds come here 
uh, every year, and it occurred to me, this is the place where millionaires come uh, part of the year, and I'm already here. I'm not a millionaire, and I'm already here. Wow. So you can focus on whatever you want to focus on. Choose to focus on, wow, I have some money in my pocket today. I mean, wow. I mean, it's all ones, but I have money in my pocket today. It's like, wow, Lord, who are you? The inheritance of seeing God work through you and around you while living on this planet. However, the inconceivable inheritance, inheritance we will receive and have forever when we're in heaven. Wow. We, we can't even begin to fathom. And I've only met two people in my life that I know got it. And they're both Rosemary's relatives, her uncle and her grandfather. And the things they gave up in life, knowing what heaven was going to be like, and the multi-multi-million dollar mansion in um, Williamsburg that her uncle gave up, five fireplaces that his wife's family left them, he never lived in it. He, lived, he spent his whole life as a missionary in Korea, in South Korea. I, wow! Because he knew the mansion he was getting in heaven. Wow! Yeah. Now to him who was able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, his power at work within me, because greater is he that's in me. And Paul's also the one that said, not only greater is he that's in me, but work out your salvation. It's in there. Risk big for him. But it has to be for him, not for you. Haven't we seen ministry leaders that all of a sudden start taking the credit for their own, for what God's doing in their ministry and all of a sudden we hear the story of the crash and burn yeah the second part is equally important to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen part of our job is to tell people is to tell people yeah and part of our job is to notice and notice and notice and, and you know when I first got to Sheridan House and I there were only four employees I was I was the fourth and part of my job as the director of Sharon House back then was Monday mornings, first thing, 6 a.m., go to Publix and get free groceries uh, in a panel truck. And I, I had a little attitude about it, to tell you the truth. Uh, let me see. I, I went to graduate school to go to, to go to Publix at 6 a.m. and fill the back of a truck with groceries and come out and put them on the shelf. And I didn't really share with anybody my attitude, but I had an attitude. And so then two single moms came and asked us for groceries, and I had an attitude about that, too. I wanted to keep it all for the one boy's home we had. But I knew I, I needed to at least act like a Christian and share. And so I boxed it up and gave it to them. Then word got out that we were giving out groceries to single moms. This was back in 1978. And uh, a, a lady called from uh, Pompano, and she, I didn't know she got a ride down. She got a ride down here, down to the old campus. And I gave her groceries. I'll never forget, Beverly was her name. Walking the groceries out in a cart, and there's only four employees, and there's only four cars in the lot, so I realized she didn't have a car. And so I said, Beverly, where's your car? She said, oh, I've got repossessed. Uh, I don't have a car, but my friend's going to come back and just leave it here. And then she looked at me and said, Does, do pe I, I know people donate groceries, but do people ever donate cars here? And I said, no, I'm sorry. If you ever get one, would you consider me? Absolutely. You pray about it, you got it. This was before lunch. Um, right after lunch, I get a call from, from a guy named Ed Moss, hospital administrator, Pembroke Pines, what used to be Pembroke Pines Hospital. Uh, I love Ed, he's great. And he said, Barnes, 
I just went to trade in my wife's three-year-old Volvo. I can't believe what they're telling me it's worth for a trade in. I, and the CFO here at the hospital said I could get more money if I just use that as a tax write-off. Do you guys take cars? I said, absolutely. <laughs> he said, well, get over here before I change my mind. So at 6 o'clock, I'm going over there to meet him. With a, um, in, and I'm driving in my uh, old Chevy Cavalier to pick up this three-year-old Volvo, wondering, I wonder if I could flop him and give her my old Cavalier, but I knew Rosemary wouldn't let me do that, so I didn't do it. So I give her the car, and uh, Rosemary said, you know you're in a single mom ministry, right? That night. I said, what do you mean? Groceries? This? And then to, to irritate me more, uh, I was picking up groceries on Mondays from the Sheridan Street Publix. I get a call from the Davie Boulevard Publix. I know you do this on Mondays. Can you be at our store on Wednesdays at 6 a.m.? We want to give you groceries, too. And really? And I had to get a whole new attitude. I don't have to get groceries. We get to get groceries. We get to get groceries. And now we have too many groceries. Yeah. I think the thing is we have to notice the little baby things he's doing around us. And when we give him the glory, get out of the way. And as you're being generous, watch, get out of the way. He's going to trust you with more. But he's going to trust you not to clog up the pipeline. Give it away. Give it away. Give it away, yeah. To him be glory in the church. America, we're waiting for the church to be the center of all the help so that people and pagans and all of them, you, you can get help from that church. You can get help from that church. But the only way that's going to happen is if we get radically generous to our churches. Radically. So they got enough to help this person and enough to help that person and enough to help that person. You know, years ago, you know, we got the toy store here and a lot of you help with the toy store. And um, we started, we, I don't want to save toys. I don't want to stockpile toys. I want to find, you know, I want to, after we do our thing and, and we'll get eight to 10,000 toys here, then we find churches. And the year, my first year up at First Baptist, we did a toy store after our toy store and we did it right after church. And we announced to our single moms that were there, you know single moms, uh, this will get them to church, bring them to church, and we'll open the toy store right, right after church. So they got to come to church to get toys right after church. I've never seen anything like it. I wept. I had to go for a walk on the sidewalk. I just wept watching all these single moms. And many, many, many kept coming to church. You're given to give. You're given to give. The, the, the people of our community, the people of our country need to see, we really believe this stuff about Jesus. He's, just, he's not just an add-on. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sin. Yeah, he's taken me out of darkness. And, and for me, the darkness was my anger. And I was angry at God for taking my mom when I was a kid with cancer, I was just angry at God. And I was angry at religious people. And then I met this girl who really believed this stuff. Really, really, really believed it. And it shocked me. And then she led me to Christ. And then we were going out a little. And then we were talking. Then we had a fraternity party. I went to school in Knoxville, Tennessee, which is a little tough for a New Yorker to go to school in Knoxville, Tennessee. And we had a fraternity party up in Gatlinburg. And I said to Rosemary, hey, uh, Sig's having a fraternity party up in Gatlinburg, and we're spending the weekend. Uh, are you in? And she said, I can't spend the weekend. 
to be honest, remember I'm a new Christian, I have a long ways to go. I kind of figured once you're there, you can't go home. And at 10.30 at night, she says to me, uh, I need to go back. Would you give me a ride? I said, Rosemary, nobody's leaving. And she was on the homecoming court at our university. And she said, well, there are other boys here that'll give me a ride if you won't. <sighs> okay, get your stuff, I'll go get the car. She comes walking out with three or four other girls. I thought, she really believes this. That was a game changer for me. I finally met somebody who's all in and believed it. Yeah. Yeah. We're way too familiar with the miracle of the gospel. And what I'm saying is we're way too familiar with, yeah, Jesus died for my sins. We're too familiar with that. We don't see the magnitude of 2,000 years ago. And, and, and heaven doesn't have any time, but for us... 2,000 years ago, the king and creator, Jesus, is the one. It says in John chapter 1, Jesus is the one that spoke the world into existence. He's the word. He's the living word. Jesus stood up on the throne to come. And I'm, I'm, I'm convinced, this isn't in the Bible, but I'm convinced the angels, now, let's bring it. No, no, not this time. Next time. 200 million angels. Next time. Well, what do you do? I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die for Tom and for Bill and for Bob and for Joe. I'm going to die. I can't imagine heaven without my sons, without my children. I created it for them. We're way too familiar with the miracle of the gospel. I must live every day reminding myself that the creator of the universe came to the earth. He created for one reason. It was to die for his children. So he can have me with him forever in heaven. To die for his children, period. Yeah. As I begin, as I begin to understand how incredible my rescue is, I can then catch the understanding that I have been rescued to rescue. So I'm in graduate school at the University of Tennessee, and my dad calls. And we were a little estranged. I moved out my senior year of high school uh, for lots of reasons, whatever. And uh, my dad calls and says, what are you, what are you doing? Uh, and I said, I'm, I'm here in graduate school. And he said, would you, I have moved from uh, Washington, D.C. And I knew, I knew that uh, with his new wife to um, uh, South Florida. Um, would you consider uh, coming to South Florida for a little while? I said, what's up, Dad? He said, well, your younger brother's a mess. And I said, really? He said, yeah, he's a mess. He's a, he's a bouncer at a place called Bachelors Three. Um, which is a nightclub on Federal Highway, and he's, he, would you consider coming down? And so, uh, Rosemary had just graduated, she's applying for jobs. The only place she got a job, a school teacher job, South Florida, Broward County. So, we, I moved down, she moves down, we get apartments a, a block apart, right behind the old Sears town on, on US 1 and Sunrise. And uh, we didn't realize how bad an area we were living in, but we were living there. And I pull Stephen in with me, and here's the amazing thing. I, um, I, I'd been a Christian now for four years. I had absolutely no impact on him. She did. She made dinner for us. We went over to her apartment every night. She made dinner, and he was watching her and listening to her and, and just changed his life. You don't know who's watching you. But the bottom line is, you've been rescued to rescue. It's not just for you. You get it all now when you go to heaven. It's not just for you. Living in the light means I can and must 
live a life that causes the observer to want to know about my rescue. That's the impact you've had on Michael. In fact, every time I'm with Michael, Joe, I'm tired of hearing about you. Uh, you know, almost almost, can we change the subject? I don't want to hear more about Joe. You had an impact on him. And he's very curious and uh, said to me that uh, if I come down, if I come to the Bible study, uh, uh, where should I come? And I said, well, there's one up by you at Coleridge Presbyterian Church, but is that the one Joe goes to? I said, no. He comes to one at 6.30 in the morning at Sheridan House. He said, so can I sit by him? He obviously scared to death. And I said, yeah, you need to. Nobody wants to sit by him. He sits by himself all the time anyway. Yeah, you've had an impact. That's why we're here. Rescued to rescue. Because when he brings you home, you get it all.